Open your Bibles, the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 6. It is a wonderful joy and blessing to be back at the Great Clays Mill Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. I so appreciate our dear friends, Dr. and Mrs. Jeff Fugate and the Fugate family. You'll find it interesting, it was under a tent just like this in the state of Indiana many, many, many years ago when the Lord allowed my path to cross with Dr. Jeff Fugate and I believe knitted our hearts together. The Fugates are not acquaintances, they're not associates, but they're actual friends. And I am absolutely excited and elated to be here for this uh, 4th of July celebration that is now spilled over the way it should be into Sunday. I love America. I thank God that we live in the best land in all of the world. And if you don't love America, amen, that'd be all right for you to clap right there. If you don't love America, you see me after the service and I will uh, participate in a donation for a raft that has a hole in it to send you wherever you want to go. I'll give a penny, I promise. Such a blessing to hear all the great singing and uh, tent meetings, I have to tell you, hold a very special place in my heart because it was in a tent meeting that my grandfather, my mother's father, whom I was named after, trusted Christ as his savior. He came to hear me preach one night under a tent and it was in that tent meeting that my grandfather trusted Christ. I love tent meetings. I believe nothing says old time religion quite like a tent meeting. You know, churches that are liberal and churches that are listing towards liberalism, well, they're never gonna have a tent meeting. And so just a tent meeting, just a tent, just a service under the cathedral canvas, shouts and screams, we still believe in old time religion. I love tent meetings and they hold a very special place in my heart. I wanna encourage you to be back in the service tonight I don't often announce what I'm going to preach before I preach it, but I feel strangely impressed to announce that tonight, the Lord being my helper, I will preach on the subject, five reasons I want far-reaching revival. You'll want to be in the service tonight. Second Corinthians chapter six, what a blessing to have my dear friend and his sweet wife, Brother Rodney Griffin, with us in the service. Uh, Brother Griffin and I have been friends for uh, 25 plus years. And if I can just give you a sidebar, I never make friends with anybody that doesn't have at least one friend in their life over two decades old. I just make it a policy of my life, a principle of my life, that I don't make friends with those who don't have two decade plus friends. I so appreciate Brother Griffin. I think he wrote Amazing Grace. I'm not positive. Well, he helped John Newton write it. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number six, and I'll take but one verse of scripture for our text, and it will be verse number two. 2 Corinthians chapter six and verse number two, and I would invite you to stand with me as I read the word of God. I appreciate uh, the uh, quartet that sang a moment ago. What a blessing, Dr. Fugate, they were. I mean saying with the touch of God upon them, and I believe this is uh, uh, their new CD, if I'm not positive, and so it's on the pulpit. 
And I like what the Bible says, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. <laughs> I love the Bible says that. And thank you, fellas, for that CD. It's now mine. Second Corinthians chapter number six. And I'll take but one verse of scripture for our text, and it will be verse number two. Second Corinthians chapter six and verse number two. We appreciate those that are watching by way of internet and live stream. Thank you so much for tuning in. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, why you should be saved today. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the word of God. If I know my heart, I want to be a blessing. But the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great tent by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons from hindering this service. Save the sinner and stir the saint. Heavenly Father, for all that you'll do in our midst and even in our hearts this morning, we will be careful to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Bless and protect my precious family as I'm away. Give us fresh warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from this morning. And Lord, I'd request, oh, how I would request that should clothe me in my calling. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. From one end of God's holy word to another, a person can observe both the exhortations and the examples on why they should never put off trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Delay is both scripturally dangerous and spiritually devastating. To procrastinate is to play Russian roulette with your soul. The prime time for one to do business with God is the present time. Why you should be saved today. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we find the apostle Paul there presents the case to give no offense in the gospel ministry. Now this chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. The plea, verses 1 through 2. The priority, verse 3. The pain, verses 4 through 5. The patience, verses 6 through 7. Uh, the uh, paradox, verses 8 through 10. The parent, verses 11 through 13. And then the prohibition, 
verses 14 through 18. It is well the apostle Paul is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with the plea that an individual sees one of the countless Dr. Fugate pressing and personal altar calls God places on the pages of his inspired and preserved Bible. Of verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now that, was, that word secured uh, in the Greek language simply means help. Now the sister verse of 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Oh, and you've heard me say it any number of times in any number of services. Every verse uh, in the Bible has what I call a sister verse. And often that sister verse throws more light upon the verse that you're musing, meditating, or making a study of. Again, the sister verse of 2 Corinthians 6.2 is Isaiah 49.8. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee. In a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. Evangelist Oliver B. Green uh, once wrote about our text, Paul uh, is saying uh, uh, here that the acceptable time has arrived. He went on to write, Messiah had come. Now God is willing to pardon and save not only the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Then Oliver B. Green ties up his thought by simply writing, uh, he would show mercy to all men uh, who would have faith in his only begotten son, the Savior of the world. Never forget, since God, said that lost mankind should be saved now, who does anyone think he is to make heaven wait uh, even five minutes for that monumental moment? Now, if you miss everything uh, that I preached this morning, uh, I pray that you would not miss that, and it even bears repeating, since God, since God, since God said that lost mankind should be saved now, who does anyone think he is to make heaven wait even five minutes for that monumental moment? Friend, you and I, both the unsaved and the saved, need to recognize uh, that today, not tomorrow, now, not later, is when a person should trust the lovely Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Now quickly, I want to give you this morning three basic Bible reasons why a man, a woman, a boy and a girl must receive Christ today. Let's quickly notice, notice it this morning. Why uh, you should be saved uh, today. Number one, the brevity of life. James 4.14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanisheth away. A basic Bible reason why a man, a woman, a boy and a girl must receive Christ today is because of the brevity of life. 
In James 4, 14, the apostle James tells us that our lives are brief at best. Uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, like a prosecuting attorney in the courtroom of all the ages, raises the question, what is mankind's uh, existence like? And then he brings, uh, with lightning speed, the convicting answer to the question, evaporating mist. The hymn writer must have had this same truth upon his heart when he penned time. What an empty vapor tis, and days how swift they are, swift as an Indian arrow flies, or like a shooting star, the present moment just appear, then slide away in haste, uh, that we can never say they're here, but only say they're past. Our life is ever on the wing, and death is ever nigh. The moment when our lives begin, we all begin to die. It was Albert Einstein who was in the list of the 24 smartest people who ever lived. If they would have extended it to 25, I might have had a chance. <laughs> Albert Einstein, who made the list of the 24 smartest people who ever lived, once said, each of us are here for a brief Sojourn. Friend, you and I need to recognize uh, that today, uh, not tomorrow, is when a person should trust uh, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ uh, because of the brevity of life. The Bible says in Job 9, 25 and 26, now my days are swifter than a post. They fly away. They see no good. They are passed away as swift ships, as the eagle that hasteneth to the prey. Newsflash from land, the mailman. From sea, the mighty ocean-going vessel, and from air, the majestic eagle. Every day, God is saying to both the lost and the saved that your life is a limited portion of time. Or oh, a reason that you ought to be saved today, a reason that you ought to trust Christ now is because simply the brevity of life. In the city of Cleveland, Ohio, on the front porch of a home in a thickly populated residential section is a neatly wrapped, full-sized casket. It's been there for years. It has become an object of sightseeing. It is such of a macabre nature to fugate that Ripley included it in a reference to his Believe It or Not column. You see an aged cabinet maker who lives alone made the casket and placed it on the front porch of his home. There it waits for the time of the Ulster's demise. Well, I can imagine your loved ones not signing off to a casket on your porch or in your front room or even stored in the garage, it would still do all of us some tremendous good to have some close, visible reminder that life is short or a reason that you ought to be saved now, a reason that you ought to be saved this morning, a reason that you ought to be saved today is because of the brevity of life. Number two, let me hasten. The beckoning of the Holy Spirit. 
Genesis 6, 3, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, uh, for that he also is flesh. Yet this day uh, shall be an hundred, or his day shall be an hundred and twenty years. That basic Bible reason why a man, a woman, a boy, and a girl uh, must receive Christ today is because of the beckoning of the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 6, 3, the prophet Moses tells us that God is certainly long-suffering. For those who lived in Brother Noah's day, it happened to be 120 years. But there comes a line a person can cross and a limit that they can crash. Dr. John R. Rice once said about this very scene in scriptures, so Christ was in the saving business in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit was warning men then as now. But Dr. Rice went on to write, but a heart may become so set against God and so become no longer amicable to his sweet insistence and thus pass the time when he can ever be saved. Now think about that for a moment. That came from the pen of the preacher without argument put soul winning on the front burner of the hearts of fundamental Christians and the hearts of fundamental churches. But Dr. John R. Rice knew that there was a point, that there was a place that a person can get when they say no to the Spirit of God and no to the Spirit of God and no to the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God ceases to speak to them. Sinner, if that doesn't make the blood in your veins right now run cold, you just may be in more trouble than you ever thought. Friend, you and I need to recognize that today and not tomorrow is when a person should trust the lovely Lord Jesus Christ because of the beckoning of the Holy Spirit. Now there's several tools that the Holy Spirit will use from a supernatural toolbox to soften a sinner's heart. And it may shock you, stun you, and even surprise you, but first of all, scriptures. Hebrews 4.10, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You see, a tool that the Holy Spirit will use from his supernatural toolbox to soften a sinner's heart for salvation is scriptures. Every time the Bible is opened, God is there trying to cut open a sinner's heart. By the way, let me chase for just a moment a rabbit. <laughs> for me, rabbit season is always in. And if I can just for a moment chase a rabbit, shoot it, skin it, and give somebody a pair of fuzzy slippers. You know, there are people that are always talking about, I want to be cutting edge, and I want to be cutting edge, and I want to be cutting edge. Neighbor, you don't get any more cutting edge than this Bible right here. <laughs> and all God's sweet little children said, 
They said, ouch, that's what they said. Scripture, secondly, situations. Isaiah 30, 21, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left, a tool that the Holy Spirit uses from his supernatural toolbox to soften sinner's heart for salvation is situations. The Holy Spirit often uses a crucial circumstances to get a lost soul to Calvary. My first revival meeting of this year, January of 2020, I was preaching in Dalton, Georgia, and after that first revival meeting, a fellow came up to me and he said, Dr. Hamlin, you probably won't remember this. He said, but a year ago today, he said, in this very revival meeting, after you preached, he said, I trusted Christ. He said, it's been a year now uh, that uh, I've been saved. And by the way, he'll be saved 100 years from now. He said, it's been a year now. It's been a year now since I've been saved. And he said, I've got to tell you that when I came uh, to the revival meeting and I heard the preaching of the Bible, he said, my wife had left me. He said, I was on the bottom of the barrel. He said, my home was broken. He said, but that's what it took uh, for the Spirit of God to get my attention that I might be saved. Oh, what does the Holy Spirit use from his supernatural toolbox to soften a sinner's heart? for salvation. He uses situations. Thirdly, sermons. Oh, I love this one. Sermons, Hebrews, or rather Romans, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, a tool that the Holy Spirit will use from his supernatural toolbox to soften a sinner's heart for salvation is sermons. There are people right now who live in the palatial mansions of the pearly white city who are there all because the Holy Spirit loves to use old-fashioned, red-hot, spirit-filled Bible preaching to get the job done. All oh, that every single individual that was in this service this morning that was underneath this tent would understand uh, that the tools that the Holy Spirit will use from a supernatural toolbox to soften a sinner's heart uh, for salvation, scriptures, uh, situations, uh, and uh, sermons. Dr. George W. Truett preached to a large audience on the text, he do always resist the Holy Ghost. Acts 7, 51. As he emphasized the danger of the unsaved turning an unhearing ear to the wooings of the Holy Spirit and finally coming to the place where his voice, uh, oh my, is no longer heard. An aged man in the audience interrupted him by hollering, Dr. Truett, you are describing my case. The great preacher replied, not knowingly, my brother, 
But you are, said the old man, in my youthful years, the Holy Spirit frequently convicted me of uh, sin and my need of the Savior. Each time I refused to obey the Spirit's call and continued in my sinful ways, the time the man hollered has come when I no longer hear his pleading. Oh, from that time, I've never had the slightest desire to turn from sin and to God. I would give anything I possess if I could feel tonight as I felt years ago when the Holy Spirit strived with me. Oh, you're underneath this tent and you know you're lost. You're watching by way of internet. You know you're unsaved, but you're just gonna push it off. You're just gonna blow it off. You're just gonna say, another time, who do you think you are to do that to the sweet high sheriff of heaven, the Holy Ghost of God? Who do you think you are to blow him off, to push him aside, to block his work when he wants to save you and is dealing with you right now. The beckoning of the Holy Spirit. And the number three and last of all, not only the brevity of life and the beckoning of the Holy Spirit, but number three, the blood of of Calvary. Luke 23, 33, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, a basic Bible reason why a man, a woman, a boy and a girl must receive Christ today is because of the blood of Calvary. In Luke 23, 33, the apostle Luke tells us that on the cruel middle Roman cross, the divine son of God deliberately poured out his precious blood for the sins of all mankind. Dr. Fugate wrapped up in the four words, there they crucified him is the heart of the scriptures, the hope of sinners, the hallelujah of saints, and the horror of Satan, the hymn writer George Bernard, no question, borrowed the tongue of men and of angels when he wrote, in the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see, for twas on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. Friend, you and I, need to recognize that today, not tomorrow, now, not later, is when a person should trust the lovely Lord Jesus Christ because of the blood of Calvary. The Bible says in Hebrews 10 and 29 of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall ye be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot of the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and it done despite to the spirit of grace. Don't miss this. To vainly. Don't miss this. To vainly. Don't miss this. To vainly attempt to get to heaven by works, water, wafers, or worry beads, 
also known as rosary beads, is there to spit upon the blood of the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. It is to trample underfoot his precious blood and nobody goes to heaven because the blood is on their feet. People go to heaven because the blood been applied to their heart. I'm closing with this. A Scottish botanist lay flat in his stomach in a meadow. He was looking through his microscope at a common heather bell. Now, a heather bell is a beautiful bell-shaped, pink, purple, and occasionally white flower that blooms from June all the way to September. He seemed to be this botanist oblivious to the shepherd near him until his shadow announced his presence. Looking up, the botanist said to the shepherd, take this and handing him the microscope said, look into it. The old rugged shepherd for the first time saw the heather bell magnified in all of its intricate beauty and marvelous design as he continued to look tears began to trickle down his weather beaten face um, regaining his composure he said to the botanist and just to think I've been trampling um, these beneath my rough feet all these years but wait there's a greater act of sacrilege or wanton desecration that one can be guilty of and that is to trample the rose of Sharon and his redemptive blood under our feet by trying to get to heaven another way. The blood of Calvary. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 is one of many public and personal altar calls that God puts in the Bible for people to be saved. Amen. You ought to be saved today because of the brevity of life. I'm planning on coming back and preaching tonight, the Lord being my helper. And I'm planning on having a meal with a few gates after the service tonight. And I'm planning sometime uh, Monday to to head back home uh, to be with Mrs. Hamlin before I head to another revival meeting Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night uh, in, uh, in Jackson, Michigan. And I've got plans for the rest of this month and I've got plans for the rest of this year. But there's somebody by the name of God who can interrupt all that and not just in my life, but in your life as well. I can be in eternity before preaching time tonight. The brevity of life. The beckoning of the Holy Spirit. You see, this morning, that still small voice has been saying, he's telling you the truth. You've put it off long enough. You need to get saved. That still small voice has been saying to you, who do you think you are to brush me off? This just might be the last time. Are you, are you listening by way of internet? This just might be the last time that the high sheriff of heaven speaks to you. The beckoning of the Holy Spirit and then the blood of Calvary 
as God's son hung between heaven and earth, crowned in thorns, robed in blood, paying the sin debt for not only you and not only me, but the sins of the world. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why you should be saved today. Underneath this tent, there are two kinds of people. Those that are saved and those that are lost. Watching by way of internet, two kinds of people. Those that are saved and those that are lost. If you're underneath this tent, if you're out in the parking lot watching by way of cell phone or electronic device and you're lost, I plead with you. I plead with you that this morning you would receive Jesus as your Savior. You say, oh, Dr. Hamlin, I'd be saved, but I know I just can't live the Christian life. Let me me help you something. I can't live the Christian life either. Nobody can. You have to receive Christ and let him live his life through you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder who would lift their hand and say, preacher, I know that I know that I know that I know if I were to die right now, heaven is my eternal home. You'd lift your hand and say, I know I'm saved. You'd lift your hand right now. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know all over, all over the tent, out there in the parking lot, I can see you. God bless you. Thank you. May put them down. You're here this morning and you couldn't raise your hand, but you would lift it now. You're watching by way of internet. Turn that couch. Turn, turn that uh, lazy boy chair. Turn that, turn that lawn chair, that, that deck, wherever you're at. Pull, pull a car over the side of the road. Turn that steering wheel into an old-fashioned altar. And you lift your hand and say, Preacher, that, I couldn't raise my hand a moment ago. But I would lift it now, and I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ. Preacher, please, you lift your hand. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ. You'd lift your hand. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. You're here this morning, and as a Christian, God has spoken to your heart. I don't think a preacher can preach this type of a message without the child of God getting a new burden for their unsafe family, fellow workers, and friends. You'd say about an uplifted hand, preacher, that's me. I've got a new burden. God bless you there. I got a new burden. God bless you there and there. I've got a new burden for those that I know are lost in my, in my own family uh, that I can, I can reach out and touch that need to be saved. I've got a new burden. And I'm going to witness to them before today turns into tomorrow. God bless you there, sir. Others, others. You're here this morning and, and I don't know how to put it any other way. You'll have to forgive me. I don't know how to put it any other way. You're here this morning and you just need old-fashioned get right with God. You say, preacher, that's me. 
that's me. I need to get right. I've been playing church. And, and, and during this coronavirus crisis, God bless you there, sir, and now craziness. I, I mean, I've been playing church, and, and I backslid on God during this time, and, and I just need to get right with God. And you lift your hand and say, preacher, that's me. That's me. Maybe you're here and need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism or you're here and need to unite with the Clay's Mill Baptist Church. Whatever the decision, you'd lift your hand and say, preacher, that's me. That's me. Need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I need to join the church. Preacher, please pray for me. Pray for me. We stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for the kind attention of these, my brothers and sisters. And Lord, I pray that not one in any way uh, underneath this tent, out in the parking lot, uh, listening, watching by way uh, of the internet, Lord, may not one single person who's under the sound of this service do anything less than what you would have them to do. In Jesus' name.